This is a great nation. I wake up thankful to be free every day. And the world recognized this as the beacon of freedom. France, who was our ally in that revolutionary cause, when they saw what was going on in this nation after a few years and they realized this is going to be the standard, this is going to be the picture. It was called a city set on a hill. This is going to be the picture of freedom for the whole world. They sent us a gift in recognition of our desire to pursue freedom. She's still standing in New York Harbor today. She's called the Statue of Liberty, Statue of Freedom. And written on the base of that statue are these words. And it's a call to the world and it says this, send us your tired, poor, huddled masses yearning to breathe free. This nation wasn't started for economic prosperity. People had that. This nation was started because people wanted to be free. I love what's written on that Statue of Liberty, the heart longing to be free. Listen to me. God Almighty created the heart of people to live free. There's something inside of every human soul that wants to be free. People, true people that live by their heart, they'd rather starve free than be well-fed in bondage. People want to be free. They want to be free from government tyranny. They want to be free. People just long for freedom. That's in the human heart. And it, but it's a struggle. There was, you have to fight to be free. And when you get free, you've got to fight to stay free. I've been fighting for it just today, to be free. And that's why we're going to look today in the book of Galatians. I don't know if you knew this or not, but many books in the Bible address an issue or have a theme. Proverbs is the book of wisdom for daily living. Philippians is the book of God-given joy, no matter what your circumstances. But the book of Galatians has one theme, and it's the theme of freedom. It's the theme of the freedom that Jesus brings people. Listen, our God is all about freedom. I think they sang a song, and in that song it had a line from 2 Corinthians 3.18 that says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It doesn't matter whether it's freedom in government, freedom in your heart, freedom in your mind. God is the God of freedom. Our God is the God of freedom. And I want you to look at this verse with me in Galatians 5 where it talks about freedom. The Bible says this in Galatians 5.1. I can meditate on this verse for days. And this is the verse that shows you what your Savior is really like. Galatians 5.1 says this. Stand fast. You see those words? In some Bibles, they're translated fight for. You got to fight for it. Stand fast. Therefore, in the freedom by which Christ has made us free. Tell me what Jesus does to people. What does it say? It's okay to talk. This is North Carolina. We won the battle. It's okay to talk back here. <laughs> Stand fast in the freedom by which Christ has made us free. Now watch this. And do not be entangled again in a yoke of bondage and slavery. Can you see by the makeup of that verse that Jesus can set you free and you can go right back into what you were in? What does the word again mean? Then was the Bible said, fight for freedom. Jesus made you free, but can you see where he says he'll make you free? Then you've got to fight to stay free. Because if you don't fight for free, once you fight for freedom, once you're there, you will go again into the slavery. Now in this particular passage, he's not talking about being enslaved to King George III of England. Guess who he's talking about being enslaved to here? <clears throat> we pride ourselves on being a free nation. And we are free from government tyranny I am till April 15th of every year. And we're sort of free from government tyranny as far as a dictatorship. But when I look at America through the eyes of the spirit, you know what I see? I see a prisoner of war camp. This nation is enslaved. We are prisoners in this land. There are not chains on our arms anymore. There are no chains about our neck. But dear, listen to me. Let me ask you a question. What good does it do to be free physically if you're in bondage on the inside? 
We are a nation enslaved to drugs, alcohol, pornography, sex. Can I keep going? I can't keep going. You say yes. Can I keep going? Food, credit cards, and now the greatest slavery, I believe it's the one that's going to bring this nation to its knees, the bondage of Satan to bitterness. Acts chapter 8, verse 23 says this, I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and enslaved by it. The, the bondage, the prison of bitterness over things that happened in the past and the hatred for people because of what happened in the past is the bondage that's going to bring this nation to its knees. Abraham Lincoln, who I believe was a very prophetic man. Abraham Lincoln <clears throat> was the man that led this nation through perhaps its darkest days of civil war, but he was a man of God. He walked with God and he made several great prophetic statements. And Abraham Lincoln, after the civil war, when people were concerned that because of our weakness by the war, that another government, another nation would come in and take over at the time, he would, he preached to people and said over and over, it's not going to happen. He said, no nation can crush this nation. He said, but that's not what we need to be concerned with. I want you to listen to what Mr. Lincoln said about what this nation ought to be concerned with. Quote, he said, shall some transatlantic giant rise and crush us with a blow? Never. All the armies of Asia, Africa, and Europe combined could not muster enough strength to take one sip from the Delaware or make one footprint on the Blue Ridge. If destruction be our lot, we ourselves will be its author and finisher. Mr. Lincoln said, Europeans are not going to destroy us. We'll destroy ourselves from within. He said, that's what we should be looking out for now. And the Bible is very clear in this passage that freedom comes from Jesus, but you have to fight to maintain it. Now I want to say it again. <clears throat> Our God is a God of freedom. Wherever he is, there's freedom. Wherever he rules, there's freedom. But there's another God in this planet. And he is the God of bondage. He is the God of chaining and misery and slavery. And anytime you see slavery, you're looking at him. When you see a dictator like Putin who loves to rule and crush his own people, you're looking at the heart of Satan. When you see Rocket Man in North Korea, you're looking at the very demonic himself. When you see Jinping in China, you're looking at the heart of Satan because God sets people free. Satan dictates to people and puts them in bondage. And listen to me, there are two gods in this world and Jesus made it very clear. Jesus is not running this earth. 1 John 5, 14, do you not know, know this dear ones, the whole world lies under the influence of the evil one. Uh, people say he's got the whole world in his hands. No, he don't. He will one day. He rules the world. He does not. The God of hell rules this world right now. Jesus is very clear, but he called him the God of this world that runs this world. Right. Let me just appeal to you. Let me ask you to do this. Go look around, read a newspaper. Look at the news. Walk out in public. You telling me that's what Jesus does to people? This doesn't have the hand of Jesus on it in this nation. And this is a nation in bondage today, but I want to tell you something about Jesus Christ. He lives to set people free. He longs to set people free. I've known many parents who had kids that were on drugs, teenagers or adult children that were on drugs. They didn't hate those kids. They didn't want those kids to die. They would have done anything to help those children. All they wanted was for the kids to be free from the bondage of addiction. They wanted to help them. That is the heart of Christ. That's the heart of God is to set people free and help people be free. It doesn't matter what you're in bondage to, whether it's cocaine or hatred, Jesus came to set people free. 
And that's what this great book is all about is people who get set free. Now let me tell you what I'm gonna do today. I'm gonna make it so simple today that if your IQ is in single digits, you'll get it today. We're gonna, lay, we're gonna put this thing down where everybody can get the cookies off the bottom shelf. We're gonna look in the passage at the great scripture, the great passage on bondage and freedom. And it's where God lays out in clear terms this is what bondage is. This is what freedom is. This is what Satan does in hearts and lives and families. This is what Jesus came to do. So from this day forward, after you see this passage, you will learn to recognize that ain't Jesus right there. I know who that is. Let me, let me say that again. You'll learn to recognize right here, that ain't Jesus. That's the enemy of my soul knocking on my door out there. Turn with me to the passage in Mark chapter five. This is the great passage on bondage and freedom. Dear ones, until your worldview becomes biblical, which says this, you are caught in a tug of war between two great powers. There are two great spiritual forces at work in the earth today, and you are caught between the two of them. Now I'm fixing to say something and it, and it from scripture. It offends people. It offends their intellect. It destroys their American worldview. But I'm going to say it from Scripture, and here it is. Every human being is going to be under the influence of some spiritual being. There is no independence from the spirit world. The spirit world controls the visible world. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put it real simple here. You will either bring your life under the control of Jesus Christ, or your life will be controlled by that other God. There's no neutral ground, dear ones. You say, well, I'm, I'm not some drunk laying in a gutter, dying out there. He had ruined my life. I'm a respectable businessman who helps the community. Listen to me. He don't care which road leads to hell as long as you're on it. You will either be under the control of the son of God and let him dictate your life, or you will be forced to be controlled by the other one. There is no neutral in the spiritual realm. There's not one there. Now that what I just said deeply offends the American worldview. Because in the American worldview, there's maybe there is a God, maybe there ain't. And if you, if you believe in somebody called a devil, you're just a Southern idiot. Probably from Alamance County. Probably Snow Camp. Let me tell you what this book says. This book says you're, one of the two of them is going to have his hand on your life. Here's the great picture, Mark chapter 5. This is a story that actually happened about a man who was under the control of hell, but Jesus delivered him and put him under the control of God. Mark chapter five, I love this passage. Verse one, they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gadarenes, Jesus and his helpers. When Jesus got out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. So this is a man, some people would say he was psychotic. Some people would say he was crazy, but the Bible identifies that his problem was the spirit world. His problem was a demonic activity in his life. All right, verse three, who had his dwelling among the tombs. He lived in a graveyard. Nobody could bind him, not even the chains, handcuffs. He'd often been bound with shackles and chains. They called the police a lot on him. The chains had been pulled apart by him and broken in pieces. Nobody could help him or tame him. The Bible said, now watch this, this is unusual. Always, verse five, Night and day, he lived in the mountains and in the graveyards, crying out and cutting himself with stones. This is the effect of darkness in his life. Verse six, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran to Jesus and worshiped him. Read verse seven with me. He cried out with a loud voice and said, what do I have to do with you, Jesus, 
son of the most high God, I beg you by God, do not torment me. Jesus don't torment people. Do you see something crazy between verses six and seven? The man runs to Jesus and worships him and cries out for him. And then all of a sudden, the man says, I know who you are. Please don't torment me. Do you get it? And them ain't the same two people talking right there. One's running to him, trying to worship him. One's trying to get away from him. What happened right there? In verse six, the man hollered out. In verse six, the man ran to Jesus and praised him and worshiped him. And all of a sudden, another voice came out of the man and said, I know who you are and I know what you came to do to me. Do not torment me. So you see that the dark spirit inside of him broke through and was talking. The man's trying to get to God to get help. The powers of hell are trying to get away from God because they know who he is. They do to this day. All right, watch what happens here. Verse eight, because Jesus said to the unclean spirit, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Verse nine, then Jesus asked him, what is your name? And the spirit answered and said, my name is Legion because we are many, got many unclean spirits in this man at the time. And he begged him, now the evil spirit begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. A large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountain. So the demons begged Jesus, send us into the swine that we may enter them. Just a little footnote there. In another place it says, are you going to send us into the eternal abyss before the time? Evil spirits know their day is set. And they know Jesus is going to send them all to lockdown for eternity. And they're scared spitless of going there. That's why they're begging. They said, anywhere except the pit. How about those pigs? Send us to the pigs. All right. Verse 13, Jesus gave them permission. What does that teach me and you? Who's in charge here? You remember that. Then the unclean spirits went out, entered the swine. There were 2,000 pigs. The herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. Why did those pigs jump in that water and die when them evil spirits got in them? Until your worldview wraps around John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Nothing on this planet is going to make sense to you. What's the two things you see in that verse when evil shows up? Violence and death and destruction. All right, dear ones, now we're seeing that Jesus is actually unmasking the evil one here. Watch this, verse 15. 14. Those who had been feeding the pigs, they went and told it in the city and the country and the whole city came out to see what in the world was going on. Verse 15, they came to Jesus. They saw the one who had been demonized, who had the legion sitting clothed in his right mind and they were scared spitless. Those who saw it told him how it happened to him who had been demonized and about the pigs. Verse 17 is one of the strangest verses in the Bible to me. And they began to beg Jesus to leave their region. Why would you beg somebody to leave that can do this? Seemed to me like you'd ask him to build his office right here. You'd be surprised at the people that want Jesus to leave when he starts acting like Jesus. Verse 18, he got into the boat. He who had been demonized begged him, I am going with you. you he's hanging on to the boat. I'm going, where are you going? I'm going. Begged him to be with him. Jesus didn't permit him. Verse 19 said to him, go home to your friends. Tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. Watch these words, how he had compassion on you. Why does God help people? Because his heart is tender toward people. God doesn't help people because he has to. He don't have to do anything. He helps people because he cares about people. And the same God whose heart was tender toward what this man was going through is tender toward what you're going through. 
There's no difference. I had great compassion on him. And he departed, verse 20, began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him. And everybody was amazed at the difference that had been made in his life. All right. Out of this passage, this is not only a wonderful story about a man that Jesus was good to. This is the passage. Remember, the Bible is God talking to you. And this is the passage where he shows us this is what it looks like when Satan's hands in the house. This is, what you'll, this is what you see when the demonic is active somewhere. Nine signs of demonic activity. And uh, they're, they're just crystal clear here. I'm going to give them to you. You'll be able to see them clearly in scripture. Let me make an announcement. That guy's dead now. Jesus is in heaven. Uh, but let me, make it, let me say this clearly. Demons don't die. They're still in the earth today. They're still cutting up today. Our worldview just doesn't recognize them. Let me also make an announcement. Jesus didn't die either. Jesus is still in the earth today and he's still doing what he does if people will run to him and worship him. He's still glad to do what he always did. I'm telling you till your worldview is, I'm living in a place and there's a spiritual war going on between two great powers and I am caught in the crossfire. Till that becomes your spiritual worldview, nothing on this planet is gonna make sense to you. And let me tell you what else I learned from this here. From this here. The battle's not real tough either. Did you notice that one side in this battle had no trouble handling the other side? Somebody should come up with a neat saying for a plaque that goes like this. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. Looked to me like it wasn't even close here. This battle was over pretty quick. It's nine signs. Number one, compulsive behavior. Compulsive behavior, out of control behavior. Can you see that this man couldn't control himself? Could you see that he was driven by something and he just couldn't be bound? He was out of control behavior. Then was listen to me. God Almighty created you and made you a free moral agent. He never forces anything. You should be in complete control of your life. You should be in complete control of your mind, your appetites, your decisions. When I see people that can't stop doing things, who's there? Whose hand is in this out of control behavior? One of my dearest friends years ago, we were just young men in our thirties. He was one of the sharpest men, a great businessman. He was in the timber business and the grading business. He was a great musician. He's one of those personalities you just love to be around, but he drank himself to death. He couldn't stop drinking. It was killing him. He'd be in the hospital for uh, pancreatitis or destroyed his liver. And I'd say, Lanny, you've got to stop. I'm praying you've got, he loved God. But he just couldn't stop. I said, Lanny, you have got to say, he said, he would say, I know it. I know it. When he, when he was 40 years old, I preached his funeral. He said, I can't stop. Who is that? When men tell me, I, I, I can't, I started out with this pornography. Now I can't get off of it. Who's behind that? Dear ones, compulsive out of control behavior is not the Holy Spirit of God. He sets people free. He doesn't bring people in bondage. Certain thoughts, patterns, whatnot. Number two, self-destructive behavior. Do you notice the Bible said this man was cutting himself? Don't you know he was a sight? He wore no clothes. The Bible said that. He's cutting himself with stones and pain. Let me make an announcement. It is not even human natural to want to hurt yourself. I, I like me. I promise you, I take care of my equipment. This cutting and, you know, cutting stuff. One of the, I was saying, cutting's not new, it's going on in the Bible. And this man cutting himself, the destructive behaviors we have today with appetites and the way we live, the danger we take. I'm sitting with a little girl one day, she's 22, 23, we're talking, she had short britches. 
and I'm sitting right beside her on a bench and we're talking about life. And I looked down across her thighs all the way down. Every quarter inch were scars, cut marks. And I just said to her, sweetheart, what's, what's this right here on your legs? And uh, she was ashamed. I said, well, don't be ashamed. I said, people like me, we're here to help you. I said, what is this? And she said, I, I try not to do it anymore. She said, I can't help it. I said, tell me something. Why do you cut yourself? Why do you do this? Just take little razor blades and just cut. I said, why do you do this? Every person I've ever asked tells me the same thing. Because somehow pain on the outside eases the pain on the inside. Let me tell you something. That ain't God. That's not even natural. Dear ones, it, you should want to take care of yourself. Ephesians chapter five said, no man destroys his own body. This destructive behavior that we're seeing today, whatever it is, it's not from heaven, it's darkness. Number three, misery, misery. You notice the Bible said the man was constantly crying out in pain and misery. Well, I'd be miserable too if I lived like this. I, I just don't understand. Listen, let me explain something to you. God created us to be a joyful, free, peaceful people. Joy is the mark of God's kingdom. The kingdom of God's not eating and drinking. It's not your food. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The atmosphere of heaven is pure freedom and joy. There is no doubt that across this nation, a spirit of heaviness has come on people. And the misery and the depression and the heaviness, I just see it all over in public. And I'm thinking, you got a cell phone that'll reach Pluto. It's obvious you've had plenty to eat. You've got a car, you can push a button and the window goes up. You don't even have to roll it up no more. What are you sad about? This burden, people say, well, do you not know what's going on? Do you not know what's going on? Yeah. This is hell on this nation right now, this heaviness and this misery that people are living under the torment. Number four, lewdness. Demons are lewd, foul, nasty beings. They're lewd. You say, where do you get lewdness from? Why is this man running around naked? Why is my nation running around naked now? You know, listen, we, we look down our nose at that Puritan lifestyle. Pure bothers you? We're proud today of what we ought to be ashamed of. The new sexual revolution where we live like junkyard dogs in heat, that is demonic. The fact that people could call this progress tells me you're touched right up here. Romans chapter one says this, I will give them over to a debased mind and they will dishonor their bodies. And instead of living the high honorable life that God created people to live, we live like junkyard dogs in heat in this nation. Who's behind that? Dear ones, this new sexual freedom we call it is demonic. It's the darkness of hell on this land. And not to mention the pain that it's bringing in this land. Number five, mental problems. Do you understand, have any idea how tormented this man's mind was? What do you think went on between his ears? You understand if you know anything about what's going on in this land right now, we're suffering from a scourge of mental maladies. I'm not going to bore you with the stats. Let me tell you one that shocked me. One out of four middle-aged women in this nation are on psychiatric medicine. One out of four. What, what is happening in this land? Who's behind this tormented mind and this mess going on? Let me tell you one of the great bondages that the enemy's bringing people into in this nation. I already quoted Acts chapter eight, verse 23, where he said, I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and in the bondage of bitterness. Bitterness is when you are angry at somebody about what they did in the past. It's also called in the Bible, unforgiveness. Matthew chapter 18 says this, if you do not forgive your brother from the heart, you will be torn, turned over to the tormentors. Who is tormenting the minds of this nation right now? 
Listen to me. If you want to live free, you better learn to forgive and you better pronounce with your mouth, nobody anywhere owes me a dime for anything. I am a forgiven man. The only hope I have is the forgiveness of God in Christ Jesus freely. And I am a forgiving man. And you say, that's very nice of you to forgive. That's very big of you to forgive. Big nothing. I like living free. Somebody should start a ministry and call it living free. Not just getting free, living free. Listen to what this Bible says. You better guard your head right here because the freedom Christ gave you, you can go back into bondage if you're offended. We need to get off of it in this land and go back to the freedom that Jesus gives. So, well, they're going to get away with it. You listen to, you listen to this book. Nobody's ever going to get away with anything. There is one just judge and I'm not him. He'll judge every act one day. Mental problems that we have in the land. And number six, broken families. We're suffering from a scourge of broken families in the last 40 years in this nation. You say, how do you know his family? How do you know he even had a family? Read the Bible, read it again. What's the first thing Jesus said to him? Go home. Go back and get your marriage back together. Go back and let your kids be a daddy they're not scared of anymore. Go back, put your family back. Jesus told him to go home and build his family again. Satan destroys families. God builds families. He said, well, my family's still together. He don't quit building just because you're still in the same house. He makes family better and better and better. The Bible is very clear. Let, let me tell you something about marriage. Marriage is a good idea. You got something better? Marriage is a great idea. God teaches in this book that marriage is not supposed to be great for a few years and then suck. Perhaps you've never read this book. The Bible says this about marriage in Proverbs chapter four. It's like the shining sun. It should get brighter and brighter every day until the perfect day. God takes great marriages and makes them even greater. That's what he does. Satan destroys them. He destroys families. And this man was destroyed. Number seven, ruined friendships. He said, how do you know he had friends? What did Jesus say? Go back home to your friends and rebuild your friendships again. Get back with the people you used to be friends with. What has happened in this land that we can't get along anymore because we disagree over issues? Listen to what the Bible said in John chapter 10. Let me tell you behind what's going on in this land. John chapter 10 said there is a good shepherd and there is a wolf. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but the wolf, listen to what it says, the wolf catches the sheep and divides them. Yeah. Who's behind the division in this nation? Who's behind the division that over some little, I start to say piss ant in church, some little piddly issue, people can't be friends anymore. Who's behind that stuff? Do you know how many families I've had in my 40 years of preaching? They haven't spoken to each other for 30 years. I mean, they, families won't speak for 30 years. And I'll say, Why? Grandpa died. They got the shotgun. I didn't get it. He wanted me to have that shotgun. The stinking thing won't even shoot. So you've ruined your family over a piece of junk gun that won't even shoot? Who's behind that mess right there? Who's behind the division in the land? This man's friendships were destroyed because this garbage got a hold of his life. Number eight, no purpose in life. This man had no meaning. He had nothing to look forward to. He just, you know, he fell asleep. You know, there were times in his pain state, he did out of sheer exhaustion, just lay down in that graveyard and go to sleep. When his eyes woke up in the daylight the next morning, what do you think he was looking forward to? Another day of torment, another day of pain. This man had no reason to live. He just got up, screamed, fell asleep. Let me tell you something, your God created you with a purpose. 
He puts you on this planet for a reason. You're supposed to find that purpose and enjoy it and thrive in it every day of your life. Satan steals purpose from people. You weren't put here to live in luxury. You were put here to be a blessing to this land and to be a blessing to your family and other people around you. One more. He was a detriment to society. Society would have been better off without this man, wouldn't you agree? Had to call the police on him all the time. Who do you think it was? Tried to get them handcuffs on him and couldn't keep them on him. This man was, yeah, granny couldn't even go to the graveyard and put flowers on her husband's grave. That naked man running around out there. <laughs> couldn't have a decent funeral in that graveyard. He's out there screaming and hollering, cutting himself. This man was a detriment to society. The Bible is very clear. God created every person to contribute to society. We should pray the great prayer of Jabez in the Bible. It says this, bless me and make me a blessing and let me do no harm. We're supposed to be a blessing to people, but this man was not. Well, <clears throat> welcome to the unholy devil. That's what he does to people right there. We have got to quit letting Hollywood teach us how to think. He said, Brother Brown, I ain't demon possessed. I, my head don't spin around and around on my shoulders. I don't puke green stuff. Where'd you get that from? You need to learn from the Bible and turn your TV off. And the Bible is very clear. When you see out of control behavior, bitterness, ruined families, can't have friendships, guess who's running the show? I'm going to say it again. You're either going to come under the authority of Jesus or this guy is going to be working in your life and in your family. There's no middle ground anymore. Let's shift gears. The man meets Jesus. He cries out. Jesus delivers him. Would you say, I think this guy wrote the song that goes like this. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my life. Can I get a witness? When you find Jesus, things should change. Religion just makes you a religious devil. You can be just as miserable religious as you was a drunk. Jesus changes people's lives. Did you notice the change in this man's life when Jesus came in? Now, let me teach you something very important here. Get what I'm fixing to say. The Bible says, if you, I'm going to quote John 8:34, He who commits sin becomes the slave of sin. Hear that word slave there? The word slave and slavery is in the Bible a lot. You can be a slave to an evil master, but you can be enslaved to the evilest of all masters. You know how he gets you enslaved to him? Remember those little warning things about the drug pushers? We were just children in school. They'd show them to us. He'd be a drug pusher. He'd come to a kid and he'd say, I got something for you. This will make it better. And he'd give them free drugs for a little bit. Then he'd get them hooked. And then he owned them. And then they had to do all kinds of stuff, pay for it. The enemy of your soul said, look here, look here, look here. I got something for you. You'll like this. And then you fall for it. And all of a sudden you realize I'm hooked now. That pornography, I started dabbling in. I can't quit now. And it's screwing things up in my house. That Bud Light that I was so proud of now, I can't go without drinking it before daylight. That bad attitude I had, I can't make it stop now. He who commits sin becomes the slave of sin. Satan is a cruel taskmaster and you can become enslaved to him. Now listen to me. Jesus has no slaves. He don't tolerate slavery. You can't be the slave of Jesus. The Bible, what, is, what does the Bible call the people who want to follow Jesus? Don't call them slaves. It calls them bond servants. Paul wrote, Paul, Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. You know the difference between a slave and a bond servant? A slave is captured by force and you can't get away. A bond servant has to ask for the job and he can walk away anytime he wants to. He serves at his own will. When we visited Tryon Palace, we went through the servants' quarters there and you saw it's terrible that he had servants. No, it was good that he had servants. 
because many people in that area, New Bern at the time, jobs were scarce, food was scarce. People begged to be the servants of the governor because if you're the servant of the governor, you got a nice place to live. You got great food to eat all the time and you got paid a salary and you walk off when you want to. They begged to be his servants. They liked that man because he took care of them. Nobody's enslaved to Jesus. Jesus don't force anything. He invites you to come to work for him and you get to come on your own free will. All right, in case you're looking for, the, in case you're looking for a new master today, How many people do I know that need to change masters? I'd get tired of them nine things. Uh, let me do it. Let me run a commercial for Jesus. He's hiring. Nine benefits of becoming a bond servant of Jesus Christ from this man's life. Number one, what's the first thing you see? Peace. Next time you see this man after he meets Jesus, he's sitting down. He's quiet. Everything's his mind. He's just as settled. All the money in the world can't buy a good night's rest. All the money in the world can't buy the peace on the inside. All the money in the world cannot buy peace in a marriage, in a home. Jesus is the prince of peace. And I want you to notice when this man submitted himself to Jesus, he had a life of peace from then on out. No more torment, no more craziness. He had peace like a river. Number two, dignity. Instead of living like a junkyard dog running around naked, the Bible said the next time they saw him, they came out to see him, he had his clothes on. Well, he didn't have his clothes on. He ain't had none in a long time. I don't know, maybe there was a Dollar General nearby or something. I don't know where them clothes came from, whether he went and got them or a disciple went and got them, but somewhere this man found some clothes and put them on. Let me make an announcement. You start following Jesus, you'll put your britches back on. When Jesus said, let your light so shine, he wasn't talking about your tail light. It's not because the preacher required it. It's because this man realized I am not an animal. God gave me dignity. I am a man of honor and I'm going to dress like I'm a person of honor now. And God gives people their honor and their dignity back. Number three, mental rest. Do you notice it specifically said in the Bible when they came to him, they saw him seated, clothed, and in his right mind. And no thoughts coming in here. He's in control of his head now. Let me, let me give you one of the greatest verses you'll ever hold on to, one of the great promises of God. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, God didn't give you that spirit of fear and intimidation and cowardice, but a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. God settles the human mind. He brings quietness in the mind and you can think if you're having to battle not to think thoughts all the time, that ain't Jesus. That ain't, I don't know why I'm saying ain't this morning. Well, I do because it ain't. That ain't even you. God gives peace of mind. And this man had his right mind again. Somebody said, are you out of your mind? Answer is yes. In many cases. Number four, once you look at this, healed families. This man had ruined his family. If you looked at his family, you said, there's no hope. Let me tell you something. There's always hope with the living God. And what's the first thing Jesus told him? Put your family back together again. And this man went back home. He became a great husband. He became a great father. And his kids who were scared spitless of him, now they ran to him because Jesus took over his life. You know, Jesus is real big on family. Let me tell you what I've learned from this book right here. Satan hates family because it is the picture of God. It is the very picture of God's people, his family, and he's working to destroy it. But let me tell you something. If your family's in trouble, you've got somebody a whole lot bigger than horny head on your side that wants to heal your family. And Jesus healed this man's family. <clears throat> man's family. Number five, great friendships. 
He didn't have a friend in the world when he was under the powers of darkness, but Jesus said, go home and to your friends. How many of you would trade a few dollars for a true friend? You know how many people tell me I don't have one true friend in this world? There was God created us to live in relationship. God, I've had people say, I'm not even a friend with the person I'm married to. What is wrong with this picture? Your marriage partner should be your best friend. Jesus did it for this man. He'll do it for you. Every, listen, one of these days, the buildings are going to burn. Tryon Palace burned after that fellow built it. Now, historians say that it's because hay kept in the cellar caught on fire one night. I think some redneck from Alamance County slipped down there one night and torched that thing because he's still mad about what happened up here. I think that's what happened. Probably family members of mine. The buildings are going to burn. The cars are going to rust. The money's going to be gone. People last forever. Value friendship above stuff. Jesus gave him his great friends back. This is just a wonderful part. Number six, let me tell you something about this guy. He fell so in love with Jesus. This man was in love with Jesus. Your heart was created to worship and adore something. And you're going to worship. So people say, I don't worship nothing. Yes, you do. Yeah, everybody worships something. God designed your heart to worship something. I happened to walk in the house the other night, had a country music concert on. The guy was up there singing about some woman, Fanny. And all the people were out there. And you know what they were doing? Guess what they were doing? The people, guess what they were doing in the crowd? They're doing like this. I thought, you worshiping him? Let me tell you, we were designed to worship somebody. Any worship less than the son of God is wasted worship. And what did this man say? After, after Jesus helped him, Jesus said to him, well, I'm glad you're doing better. And then Jesus said, well, I got somewhere else to go. Jesus got in the boat. That man grabbed that boat and said, you ain't going nowhere without me. He said, you're not getting out of my sight. He said, you're the best thing ever happened to me. And he begged him, let me stay right beside you for the rest of my life. That's a man who's found Jesus right there. And this man loved Jesus and worshiped Jesus. The object of our heart's affection should always be Jesus. Your heart will always be empty. If you're worshiping money, religion, I know people worship Baptist more than they do Jesus. I don't care what it is. Until Jesus becomes the object of your heart's affection, something will always feel goofy inside. We were created, let me tell you what we were created to do. Number one, love the Lord our God with all our hearts. We were created to love God. And you've never had more fun than when your heart's true affection goes to Jesus himself. He's in love with Jesus. Number seven, this man went from wasting his life to having a purpose in life. He got up every morning. He knew what he's supposed to be doing. And do you notice he did it so well? Jesus said, no, I don't want you going with me. I'm going to give you something to do with your life. Here's what I want you to do for the rest of your life. The God who created you knows what he wants you to do every day of your life. And you will never be fulfilled until you find your purpose in this earth. And he, he did it well. It was very effective. And he went out and he, listen, he was excited about it. Number eight, this man became a blessing to society. He was, a, his kids were ashamed of him. His family was ashamed of him. The neighbors hated him. He's screaming out there. And all of a sudden the Bible said he went on his life's mission and began to talk to people about how great God was. And what to say in there, all were impressed and amazed. This man had a great effect on the people around him because Jesus had changed his life. And then let me just throw in number nine. I'd say the man found real happiness in life, wouldn't you? I'd say that's a life of true freedom and joy. We would call him happiness. Guess what this nation was founded in our founding document? It was for liberty, but guess what our founding document says people are looking for in this nation? We called this a land where people could seek the pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I'd say he found it. Guess who gave it to him? 
Why is happiness so elusive in this nation right now? Why does Mr. Gallup, our chief poster, tell us that happiness is at an all-time low in this nation? I don't think we should have changed gods. I think we should have stuck with the God that started this nation. I think we should have stayed with him in the land. All right, let me quit by asking you a simple question. All right, you can see this in here. Who made this man free? Who did this for this man? Let me ask you a question. Did people help this man? Did experts help him? You can read the first part of it. They tried. They couldn't help him. Said no one could help the man. How about you think he went to Barnes and Noble, got a self-help book and did this for himself? I know. I hear people that are trying to do better and trying. Listen to me. Listen to me. I don't care how tough you are. I don't care how disciplined you are. You are no match for the powers of hell. You are no match. You, listen to me. You can't even see him. You are no match for the powers of hell that are destroying lives. Only one person could help this man. Oh, let me throw in number three. Do you notice religion didn't help him either? You say, I don't see no preacher in there. That's what I mean. Neither do I. Preacher didn't even show up. He wasn't about to go around that guy. Only people like me like to be around people like that. Religion didn't do him any good. Who's the only person that could help this man? What did it say? He ran to Jesus and worshiped him. It's that simple, dear ones. When you get tired of being chained to the hell, run to Jesus, worship him. And do not say to him, help me get through this mess and then leave me alone. Say like that man, I want to be with you for the rest of my life. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. And Jesus was so willing. Now I want you to notice something. Did this man have to beg Jesus? Did he have to pay Jesus? Did he have to promise? Did you notice how willing Jesus was to help him? Why did Jesus help this man? Go tell him what great things the Lord has done for you because he has a tender heart toward you. Don't you know God weeps over the addictions of this land? Don't you know his heart is broken over the garbage people are living with in this land? But dear ones, Satan will take over your life without your permission. Jesus will only take over when you ask him to come in and you invite him. This man had to go to Jesus and ask for help and he got it. Well, let me tell you something about freedom before we close. Watch this, watch this. That means we're about done. Two or three more landings, we'll be there. Let me tell you about the Jesus of this Bible. And in particular in Galatians, that verse we read, Galatians 5, that was talking about being in bondage to religion. Not a king, religion. I hate religion. It puts people under bondage and beats them up. Jesus sets people free. Let me quote last of all, John chapter eight, verses 31, 32, and 36. The Bible says this, Jesus said to those who believed in him, walk in my word, you will know the truth. The truth will make you free. And you're truly my disciples. And then he said this, he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I love freedom. I love being an American. Man, I still, I got... I got double flags at my house. I'm proud to be an American. I didn't say perfect. I said proud of a nation because I get to be free. I can stand up here and say anything I want to and that punk from England can't come get me because them boys from the western part of the state will show up. I think we could whoop him this time. What do y'all think? I think we'd, put, I hope we'd open the can on him is what we'd do now. It'd be all over out there. I love being free in this nation but I want to tell you something. I've been in a free nation where I was bond, in bondage on the inside. I was that man at one time in my life. That's why I love Jesus so much. Jesus didn't make me religious. He set me free. He healed my family. I got the greatest friends in the world now. I look forward to every day. My mind is at peace. It ain't much, but it's at peace what it is. I'm telling you, Jesus makes life wonderful. But I'm going to finish by saying it again. Stand fast. Fight for the freedom you've got. Lest you be entangled again by the yoke of bondage. I'm not going back under that junk. 
I'm going to get up every day of my life and I'm going to fight for mental freedom, spiritual freedom, emotional freedom, family freedom. I ain't going to get hooked on nothing except God's word and the son of God himself. I like living like this. Jesus, we love you and praise you. Your, your very name is freedom. When I, I can breathe free because of you. When I read the book of Galatians, everything inside of me just wants to holler. I am free indeed. And I praise you and thank you. This word opens our eyes and says, this is what's really going on in the earth today. Lord Jesus, I don't know why in the world everybody don't just run to you and worship you and say, you the boss, sir, take over. I've seen how you treat people. I've seen how that oven treats people. I choose you, Jesus. I pray for every person in this room, every person watching, that they not fall for the lies of the enemy. As your word said, promises them freedom, but makes them slaves. My goodness. I pour my heart out to you, Jesus. Let people walk in the freedom that you died to give them. In your precious name. I'm going to pray, Lord Jesus, I'm going to invite people to do what this man did. Just come to you and start worshiping you and follow you. I pray your spirit move throughout this room right now, moving the audiences, wherever they're at out there, and draw people's hearts to the only one who can set them free and let them live free. I trust you for that. All right, friends, your time as we're praying. If you want to do what this man did, run to Jesus and make him the Lord of your life and follow him, and you want to be free and blessed, and you'd like some of what this man got from Jesus. It's your time right here. It's a heart issue. You don't have to run to him physically. You don't have to walk down an aisle. Wherever you're at, in your car, in your hotel room, sitting in this room, I want you to cry out at heart level in your heart with a simple childlike prayer to him that Jesus becomes the master and savior and friend of your life. You got to give your life to Jesus. Let's do it right now. If that's your intent, pray a simple prayer with me. It goes like this. Dear Jesus, I believe you are the son of God, mighty in power, I believe you died on a cross because you loved me. But I believe you rose from the grave in great power. And I'm coming to you just like that man did. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, save me. Take over my life, Jesus. Help me. I want to follow you. And I declare with my mouth from this day forward, you are my Savior. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is the love of my life from this day forward. I declare that and I mean it. And now I want to praise you based on your promise that I belong to you and you're my master and you'll bless me and love me forever. And one day I'll see you face to face. I thank you for that and I praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Tell me where we're going. In the mighty precious name of Jesus, I pray. If you prayed that, raise your hand real high where I can see it. Put up real high where I can see it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Put those down. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you just as you walk the shores and help people then. You're still walking today, helping people today. We owe you everything we've got. Everything we've got. And I want to pray again. I pray for the word of God to have fruit in people's lives and, and they'll hear the warning of God. Fight for freedom. Do not be entangled again in that same yoke of bondage. Fight and live free. And I thank you that you created the human heart to live free Thank you to whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I give you the praise and the glory and the honor. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray, amen.